Hello, fellow travellers, and welcome to podcast 128 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. Yes, it's the week of the screeching U-turn, something that seems particularly appropriate to travel in all its many guises. And of course, it's also a week when uh, we, as humble podcasters, have been branded enemies of growth. Um, I don't know what you think about that, Simon, but I, I, I would say we'd like to have more listeners. So I think uh, we're quite pro-growth in that uh, regard. Yes, and we're not specifically the anti-growth coalition because we both live in South London, not North London. Um, we uh, live it, don't live in, in townhouses. And um, furthermore, we don't get taxes to the BBC. So from all points of view, I would say that we are perhaps not in the, um, the anti-growth coalition although it does seem to be so uh, quite quite all-embracing so maybe we we make it um, under one of the many other headings although I don't think you are a, a leading figure in Extinction Rebellion are you? Well if I was I'm not able to divulge that. Well what I am able to divulge is that I'm coming to you from a well-named square in central London this is Hope Square, which a lot of people don't know about, partly because um, it appears to be just um, a patch of ground outside Liverpool Street Station. But um, besides the uh, very large and very busy branch of McDonald's, there's actually a statue to the Kinder Transport. This, of course, was the uh, uh, great uh, organisation that brought so many German Jewish children to safety in the UK before the Second World War. And many of them arrived here in Liverpool Street, having sailed across into Harwich and then hopped on the train. Um, but plenty of sounds of travel here. Uh, but we are going to be transported somewhere else by listener Claudia Rossani, along with this tweet of explanation. On the sounds of travel, when we were in Marrakesh, I woke up early just to record the birds in the courtyard of our hotel. It was just wonderful. Well, if anyone listening can identify those birds from their enthusiastic singing, do let us know. Obviously, there's a pigeon or a dove and house sparrows, maybe. Though I'd like to think there were some bulbuls involved, not least because it's such a lovely, exotic sounding name. Anyway, if you'd like to send us your travel sound recordings, we'd be delighted to feature them. And the easiest way to do it is to send them to anchor.fm slash you should have been there. And look, Mick, news just in. We might be getting a new listener. Can I ask your name? Tegelia. Tegelia has just asked what our podcast is called because she's been at McDonald's. She um, uh, 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 has been at the table where it's I'm slightly camping at and it is called... Uh, please do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I give you a hand, but I can't at the moment. Anyway, Tajilia wants to know that our podcast 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 is called <laughs> You Should Have Been There. And you can listen to it and I hope you will enjoy it. And um, thank you very much indeed for paying attention okay, to great. it. Thank you so okay, much. nice Bye. to see you. Well, Bye. Say, say hello to her from me. Okay. <laughs> yes, there we are. So, uh, gosh, um, 
great excitement here and um, it's always good to have a live audience. <laughs> um, we also received a tweet from Rex Vulgaris. This was picking up a point I made in our podcast before the great uh, Pyrenean triptych. Can I say that? You certainly um, can. Yeah. He, he, well, you said it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rex Vulgaris says you have not followed up on the US-Cuba Esther issue. People have to decide to fly with an Esther and risk being turned away or cancel and uh, not get anything on travel insurance. Please update. Well, I will. But this is, I guess, a terrible U-turn that was committed by Donald Trump in the dying days of his presidency. He said, um, I am going to put Cuba on the list of state sponsors of terrorism. And this has a relatively few people on it, North Korea, Syria and Iran. Now, one effect of this designation is that you are not allowed to travel into the US with this online visa as you might be able to do um, otherwise. And the vast majority of people do go to the US on an ESTA. If you don't uh, have an Esther if you don't qualify for an Esther and you won't if you've been to Cuba since the 1st of March 2011 then you have to get a full visa that's going to cost you 137 pounds and you've got to get an appointment and go to the US Embassy in London or the uh, consulate in Belfast so a complete pain now loads of people have said there have not been cases of people being turned away. And I've heard anecdotally that some people are going in on an Esther, they spot the fact that you've been to Cuba and immediately uh, say, right, we're going to let you in this time, but we won't do it again. You've got to get a visa in future. And I am every day talking to the US Embassy saying, please give us more clarity on this. And they haven't. Anyway, that's the uh, that's the Cuba story. We need a reverse backdated U-turn from Joe Biden on that. Good effort anyway, Simon. But uh, let's turn to our regular correspondent, Rebecca Halpern, who's been in touch by sending a message rather than a tweet to You Should Have BT. Hello, Simon and Mick. I enjoyed your Pyrenees adventures. I've been thinking about the most memorable walks I've done, and my favourite was probably a fairly short one in India, when we were staying in the little town of Nagar in the Himalayas. Whilst it was in many ways a fairly remote location, there happened to be a museum up the road from our hotel, dedicated to the Russian artist Nicholas Rurik. After a long and varied career, Rurik had ended up here in the Himalayas and painted some very evocative scenes of the surrounding mountains, which can now be viewed in what used to be his house. So he set off for a very picturesque walk up the hill and was soon accompanied by a friendly dog who decided it was his duty to guide us to the museum. Once there, he was determined to extend his services to showing us around inside. But unfortunately, the staff soon put a stop to that and he was shown the exit. Perhaps an assisted U-turn, but after enjoying the museum, we were pleased to find our canine friend patiently waiting for us outside. And after a leisurely stroll downhill, he eventually trotted off when we stopped for a drink at a roadside cafe. The scenery of that area was incredible, and although he didn't do any trekking as such, just walking around the nearby roads was breathtaking. And what a lovely story. Um, Mick, have you been adopted by any dogs on walks? Yeah, two or three times. On each occasion it was in France, and the one I remember best was just outside Dieppe, 
when um, Steph and I, who had gone there for a long weekend, decided to walk um, inland along some kind of marked trail, a GR something or other, which went alongside the River Rance, if I remember rightly, R-A-N-C-E. It was very, very pleasant. And as we set off on a kind of towpath, we um, we met um, a dog coming the other way, which turned round and then accompanied us for, I would say it was about 10 kilometres of walk to a village. I can't remember the name of it, where we stayed at a hotel. And obviously we had to say goodbye to the dog. But bizarrely, um, the next morning it was waiting for us outside after we'd had Le Petit Déjeuner wagging its tail. And um, and it accompanied us on another day's walk before, uh, as we got to another village, um, it just um, disappeared off into a garden and um, we didn't see it again. Well, that's an absolutely lovely story. And I love the concept of this dog just being there, adopting hikers, knowing that they will be going a, a long old way and uh, making the most of their company. What a what a, a joy. Um, on the subject, though, of um, museums with landscapes, which uh, Rebecca also references, where, where, where is your favourite? Have you got any? Oh, well, far and away, my favourite is one that I've mentioned before, which is Cezanne's Museum. Well, actually, it's not exactly Cezanne's Museum. Um, in the lovely town of Aix-en-Provence in, uh, in southern France, you can, if you go to the tourist office, get a very good um, um, map of the Cezanne Walk, which basically, because he spent so much time there, uh, takes you all over the town, but also points out various things that are connected with his with his life uh, and and obviously his painting uh, and it ends up just uh, to the north of uh, X where he had his studio which is an absolutely wonderful thing um, uh, with a great big uh, slit in the north wall I think it was so that he could actually get his huge canvases in and out um, of the building because he then took them up the hill uh, to a wonderful vantage point where he painted, I think on about 159, where well, it's certainly well over 100 occasions, uh, Mont Saint-Victoire, which is a very nice cone-shaped mountain, which uh, you can see in the sort of near distance. Uh, and uh, there are actually some replicas of some of the pictures. So you can um, actually sort of measure up your own uh, view and indeed your uh, own photographs and if you wanted to do any paintings your own efforts um, with those of the maestro and I've got to say it's an absolutely fabulous um, half day I would say experience and uh, and actually it's it's really quite appropriate and topical at the moment because as I'm sure you're aware um, at London's uh, Tate Modern um, a very very highly um, rated new exhibition of Cezanne has just opened. Well, that's very good. I will see your Cezanne and I will raise you Cesar Manrique, the great artist of Lanzarote of the Canary Islands, whose house is a kind of house museum. But the great thing is that it is part of the scenery. It really does kind of fit into this weird volcanic landscape. And he also did some astonishing work um, elsewhere at the far north of the island. There's a, 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 a restaurant high on a cliff where he kind of 
he, he created that there, but he realised that actually the greatest bit of art was um, looking out of an extraordinarily large window at the uh, at the ocean beneath. So uh, good old uh, Cesar Manrique, uh-huh. and if you're in yeah. Lanzarote, then do do head along there. One thing he did, and I actually have been to Lanzarote two or three times, and I have been around most of the Manrique creations, and I've got to say one thing that, that struck me was the absolutely brilliant signs that he created for the ladies' and gents' toilets in all of his... Uh, <laughs> in the museums, the cactus garden, the cave oh. of um, something or other. And, yeah, no, really, I mean... Definitely worth having um, a few glasses of water, a few coffees, or even a few beers so that you have a good excuse for visiting the toilets. Thank you. I I shall bear that in mind. Anyway, I think it is now time for U-turns. Well, yes, I suppose we should uh, address some of the more spectacular offerings um, in the bulging archive of travel politics. Um, This is something, Simon, that has particularly um, occupied you during the first two years of COVID. And I'm certainly not saying that it's over yet. So um, but uh, but what are your contenders for the prize uh, up to now? Well, I would say in third place, the Barnard Castle U-turn. This was Dominic Cummings' trip, of course, to the beautiful uh, County Durham town to test his eyesight. Presumably it was all good. He did a U-turn and um, and went back. And bizarrely, there is a connection between that U-turn and the government suddenly announcing, because it was very unpopular as a result of that, that it was going to introduce 14 days quarantine from everywhere because the polling told them that was very popular. Uh, In second place, and if I can mention Donald Trump for the second time in this podcast, in March 2020, Donald Trump said, right, Brits, Europeans, you're not coming in. And even though the immediate medical reason for saying that soon evaporated, it took 19 months before we had a U-turn. But the winner has to be Amber Plus. This was extraordinary. The summer of 2021, suddenly the government said after a long old ban on international travel, right, you can all go back um, to uh, all these lovely countries because if you're going to an Amber country, then you're not going to have to quarantine when you come back. And then they suddenly, a couple of days later, did a U-turn and said, well, of course, if you're going to France, that's a different matter. It's Amber Plus, and therefore you cannot go there. And it wrecked hundreds of thousands of French summer holidays. So that is the um, yeah the, the COVID travel U-turn winner. What should the prize be to be presented, I suppose, to Grand Chaps? Well, he can have my wad of testing certificates obtained at huge expense and doing exactly no good at all in keeping the UK safe. I'm sure he's got plenty of time to read them at the moment. But um, anyway, let's get on to um, the actual, I suppose, physical U-turn. That really is part of any journey, starting with a favourite tactic of mine. Oh, have I locked the front door? Or even worse, have I set out on holiday and left the keys in the front door. Now, of course, the further you've got, the more screeching the U-turn. And I do remember once being, um, well, I suppose about an hour into a car journey to Wales with the family when I realised what I'd done. I sort of 
came into my head a kind of picture of the front door with the keys in and actually slightly open as well. <laughs> so um, what did I do? Well, uh, luckily there was a um, a reasonable uh, roadside calf where I left the family and um, drove back and found indeed the door open and the keys still in them. <laughs> locked it all carefully and drove back again. Um, and uh, it was all fine. But uh, that's extraordinary. Um, on many levels, I know that you live in leafy Streatham where <laughs> crime is simply unknown, but um, for that still to be the case is is miraculous, frankly. So so congratulations on that. Um, by the way, on the t- in, in terms of motorways, if I can bring you a quick U-turn, there is going to be a U-turn on smart motorways. This is where you've got... Um, cars running on the hard shoulder we know that um the prime minister is going to ban them all which is a u-turn on the present policy um but who knows there might even be a u-turn on the u-turn um but please don't take try any u-turns on a motorway and no you certainly shouldn't but i mean if you're walking um that's a different matter altogether i mean you uh, often need to u-turn and indeed it's been an essential part of our mountain walks and if we can uh, just get back to that uh, favorite subject and um i was just thinking about what i think was my most embarrassing um, navigational error, which was particularly embarrassing because at uh, Merans les Valls, yes, when we were supposedly um, heading off north to get to um, Aix-les-Termes uh, for a train back to uh, Toulouse and then a flight home, uh, probably slightly against the <laughs> clock. It usually was the case. Um, and I took us off down a valley which, in fact, went south or southwest um, and didn't realise for quite some time, you know, in the order of an hour, when we uh, realised that actually the 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 mountains were getting closer and closer together and something didn't seem quite right about it, at which point um, we did what uh, I really should have done quite some time before, which was get a compass out and find out what um, a ridiculous mistake (laughs) had been committed. Well, by me anyway. But what was particularly embarrassing about it was that on the way um, up the wrong route, um, there were a a number of um, warm, sulfurous pools in which, uh, in which French people were um, sitting, reading newspapers and smoking and drinking coffee, which was quite funny. Um, except when we came back down about an hour later and um, and passed them again, um, they they sort of got on to brandy as well, and um, and were in fine spirits and um, took full advantage of our plight. Yes, our worst U-turn surely though was actually in South America, in Peru, when I made the fatal error of saying to a local, "Is this the way to?" And I can't even remember where we were going. And they they sort of grinned and said, yes. And I should have said, which, my good friend, is the right way to this place? And if you, because it is a cultural thing. And if you say, is this, uh, wherever you are in the world, really, yeah, am I doing the right thing here? People will naturally incline to say, well, yes, of course you are. You carry on. It will be fine. I think we walked for about three hours with ludicrously heavy packs um, and then we walked three hours back. Does that, does that accord with your recollection? 
Yes, it certainly does. And um, at the beginning of the uh, the deviation um, and at the end of it, when we came back, there was the most terrifying bridge over a, a plunging torrent, which I think I've ever had to cross. It was, if as I remember, three birch saplings which were not even tied together and we had to somehow crawl across them. But of course, I didn't hold it against you. But I tell you what I did want to ask you is whether you've been on any form of um, public transport, which has um, um, mysteriously and sometimes without any explanation done a U-turn. I mean, I'm going to discount trains from this because <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, yes, and I guess it's um, I'm, I'm actually speaking to you on my way to Stansted Airport and it was a flight from Stansted. Um, it was Buzz, a very short-lived, low-cost airline around the turn of the 20th century, 21st century. Um, it was uh, a flight to Vienna, and it got halfway to Belgium, and then it flew back because there was some kind of technical problem, which was um, deeply disappointing, and I never actually made it to the um, Austrian capital uh, at that, that time. Um, but... The, Aircraft returning to base is quite common. Um, what I've had a few times is uh, many, particularly uh, Ryanair, ending up not even in, in some airfield where you think, oh, my goodness, um, is this really uh, Frankfurt? But turning up, um, for example, in the wrong country. Uh, this has happened to me twice um, where the aircraft, both on the same route, flying from Stansted to Baden-Baden in Germany, there's been fog on the Rhine. And uh, the first time, the uh, pilot uh, flew to Strasbourg in France. And the second time, he flew to Basel, uh, towards Basel in Switzerland, did a U-turn, went back because he'd heard that the uh, fog had cleared, then did another U-turn and finally ended up in Switzerland. So uh, plenty, plenty of um, excitement in the skies. Yes, I, I can only remember one aircraft U-turn, which I actually found really quite terrifying it was an argentinian um, flight from buenos aires right down to the very southernmost tip of uh, of uh, argentina ushuaia but it was kind of almost a bus or a, a train of a plane in that it stopped at about six places on the way and i was going to get off yes. at the first one bahia blanca um which, uh, just lovely. to show you how big Argentina is, if you didn't know, um, is 650 kilometres away from Buenos Aires, uh, going due south. But it's still in Buenos Aires province. So a long way. Um, but anyway, about halfway there, our plane um, suddenly um, performed a U-turn. And then <laughs> sometime later, there was an announcement yes. uh, to the effect that uh, due to an electronic problem, we were going back to Buenos Aires. Um, th this was vague enough to worry everybody. Um, and uh, lots of passengers started to cross themselves, which made me feel even <laughs> more worried. And then just to sort of add to it, it was an utterly wonderful day, a beautiful day. Uh, sunlit, no clouds, and you could see right down to the Pampa, a great green flat expanse um, about, I don't know whether we were at 30,000 feet, but probably. And you could even see, because the sun was overhead, a little tiny aeroplane, which was us, <laughs> right down on the on the land and i've got to say somehow all of this um uh, reduced me to a kind of quivering wreck <laughs> ah, can i uh, as we as we wrap up mick can i bring you my greatest 
U-turn that I have encountered in my professional life. And it's happening right now, or it will be happening uh, next month anyway. This is the World Cup voyage, which is making a U-turn and will be avoiding the World Cup. It is an extraordinary story. Okay, so uh, World Cup, as you know, happening in Qatar and uh, if people want to listen back uh, we did do a, uh, a a preview of what was um what what was going to be happening in in that uh, interesting country but it's really difficult to get flights in and accommodation at a sensible price so Azamara a cruise line decided they were going to come up with a Arabia and World Cup voyage it's fantastic it leaves Dubai um, it goes, I think, to Muscat in Oman. Then it uh, goes to lovely Doha, and you spend three days in Doha, so you haven't got to worry about flights. You haven't got to worry about accommodation because your boat's parked there. And you, the couple I talked to had bought tickets for four matches. Yes, they were going to see England, Iran. They were going to see Wales, USA, and a couple of other matches. How wonderful. They spent 700 quid on tickets. This was just a brilliant move. Um, and then they got a letter saying, oh, yeah, um, it's not the Arabia and World Cup voyage anymore. It's the Arabia and Dubai voyage. And we're going to be spending three extra days in um, in the UAE. And it's not going to Doha. Sorry, we've been told we cannot moor there. Now, uh, last I heard um, that the, the company was doing what it could for people who had booked tickets to kind of fly them in and maybe find a hotel for them but absolutely miserable this this ship hasn't yet set off but it will be doing the most screeching u-turn to avoid the exact place that everybody wanted to go to oh dear i'm i wonder what the sound of a ship u-turn would be i, I mean it's not really screeching is it would it be sort of swooshing or or um anyway uh uh Anyway, something to... I, I, um, I'm sure a hooter will be involved. Oh, I should hope so. But actually, before we go, can I, I just mention um, uh, just another kind of public transport U-turn, um, which I discovered when I uh, looked it up on the internet. Uh, I think I used the search term um, bus U-turn. And if you do that, <laughs> um, or coach U-turn, I can't remember which one it was now. But if you do that, you will find um, a video of what looks like um, the most terrifying uh, U-turn ever being made um, by a bus, a coach, um, uh, <laughs> on a very, very narrow uh, road probably in South America, judging by the Ooh, uh, yes. mountains yes. Um, and uh, the general sort of surrounding landscape. And on each side of this very narrow road <laughs> is an incredible precipitous drop. And um, the thing kind of seems to go about its U-turn with a kind of cavalier disregard for everything. Uh, we, you know, so wheels hanging over the the uh, chasm Ooh. on one side and then on the other. I cannot tell you how terrifying it is. Um, 
and, um, and this is this is this sounds like the Italian job in Latin America, which sounds too horrible for words. Well, yes, but if you then scroll down to see the comments, you discover that actually it is a fake, and um, and someone has <laughs> lifted this from an incredibly realistic video game. No, <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, how how wonderful! Well, that that thank goodness for that. That makes me feel um, uh, much much better. So, well, of course, as we come to the end of podcast 128 we need your u-turns please we need your travel sounds we need to know about great walks and maybe creatures that you've adopted or have adopted you along the way and um, we also need to know about your travel miracles and that's because up in the Pyrenees and in Lourdes we encountered miracle upon miracle and we would love to know about the truly astonishing things that happen Weird coincidences, things that have just for no apparent reason gone incredibly right for you. Just let us know what they are. Of course, you can um, tweet us at you should have BT or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and leave us an audio message. Remind me, Simon, to mention the miracle of the uh, goatskin wine gourd um, when we uh, get to it next week. But until then, From me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye.